Are you working? What kind of work do you do? We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. From the makeshift studios in Mullica Hill, New Jersey. It's talking ish with your commish. It's been a grind of a week, man. Holy fucking hell. I'm getting sick and tired, man. I'll be honest with you. Of the five-day work week, the nine-to-five, the the constant grind, the commute, all of that bullshit. And I was reading the other day. I'm going to kick off the show with this. The other day I was reading about, uh, I guess it was somewhere in uh, New Zealand, which I believe is a whole separate entity from Australia. I guess it's technically the continent of Australia, but you know, over there in the land down under, where they eat Vegemite sandwiches and all that good shit. They tried this thing, some company out in New Zealand, where they did a four-day work week, and they found, uh, after some extensive research, that it improved efficiency and improved work-life balance for people, because now people are having three-day weekends, feeling a little bit refreshed. Work doesn't seem as daunting. I'll be honest with you, the structure of a five-day work week is bullshit. It was a product of the Ford assembly line era of business, where you clocked in at a certain time, you clocked out at a certain time. You came in, you did your mundane task that made you want to fucking kill yourself, so you had to drink and beat your fucking kids, and then you went home and beat your kids and wife and drank till you fucking wanted to die. Uh, And that's kind of what our world's evolved into, right? Like, we we work in these 9 to 5 jobs for the most part, even though mine is like 7.30 to pretty much like 5.30. I'm working like almost like a fucking 10-hour day in in most cases, Monday through Friday. Except in summers where they're like, oh, yeah, in summer we're going to give you a half day on Friday, which is still bullshit because I have to come into the office. And most people, I would say most commutes are anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. For most people. Now, there's people that live close. They can just stroll right out of bed and get there. It's much better for them. But if I'd say the majority of people in an office, it takes you a while to get to work. So not only are you spending time there, but then you're spending at least an hour to two hours commuting. That's like your whole fucking day. And then you do that till you're like 65 years old, 60 to 65 years old, and then you die. That's pretty much what happens. And I'll be honest with you, this is, it's just grinding me down. So the idea of a four-day work week to me sounds beautiful. Because then if I got to work 10-hour days, fuck it, I'm already doing that. It doesn't matter. And I'll be honest with you, this is what drives me nuts. I go to my office, and most of the shit I do in my office, I can do from home. Do you guys have that experience? Like, when you do you do, you do a job that requires you to interact with the people that are in your office? Because I certainly don't. I do data and analytics, man. Like there's it's Excel spreadsheets, Tableau dashboards, meeting with people, talking to talking to people, helping them talk to their customers and shit. Like I'm not doing anything groundbreaking. Nothing that requires me to have a sit down with you so we can powwow for a little bit, talk about our weekends before we get into the work. And I feel like it's starting to have an effect on me where I'm becoming more of a miserable person. I'm just angry for no reason. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like normally, I'm the kind of guy where if I ran into you in the store and I saw you, like, you know, you had an Eagles hat on or something, I'd chat up a conversation, make small talk with you about whatever. But now, I see people in the grocery store, and I literally want to put a bullet in their fucking head. Like, I'm like, why do you exist? Your fucking existence pisses me off. I'm just on edge. And it's because I spend all my time around people at work, and it's just, I think, too much time. You know, not enough time for media to do the shit I want to do. Like this podcast. I enjoy this podcast. It's fun. It's like a little stress-relieving event where I have my whiskey and I smoke some some Ripper Magoos and I'm, I'm good to go. And I have a good time just chatting with you guys about the shit that's going on in my life. So the work week is grinding on me. The workload is piling up. The thing about doing well at your job, and I'm sure you, you are all doing well at your jobs and you can appreciate this. The better you do, the higher the bar gets. It's like sports. The Eagles won the Super Bowl. Our expectation this year is that they continue to win Super Bowls now. Like that is now, that's the bar. We set the, that's the new norm, as Doug said. So at work, when you do good and when you have your high performer, the bar gets set a little bit higher. So now to be great again, 
you have to overcome that bar. So now you have to get to where you were and overcome it. It's not an easy task. Certain people I work with are all about the, the meetings. Like we got to have a meeting to figure out what are we going to do in that other meeting. It's fucking crazy to me. Why can we not just have an environment, a social and corporate environment where everything is done from a computer? We have the technology to be able to do it. Our whole office is set up with like Skype conference rooms where you're, it's basically like a webcam. So because like people apparently need to see what you're doing when you're sitting around a fucking table. That never made sense to me. It's like, oh, yeah, let's conference in the people that are working with no fucking pants on and let them see us all sitting around a table. That's incredibly productive. Why not just have everybody be at home, save a little money on the workspace, and when we need to meet, we meet up somewhere. We go into the fucking city, we go to a restaurant, we have a nice lunch, we chat. Or, you know, we rent a WeWork space or something like that. Why do we need an office? So that I can hear how Cindy Lou Who... Uh, you know, her kid was sick this weekend, and now she's got the sniffles, and she's giving it all to us, like some kind of infectious zombie disease. I don't need that shit. And I, I don't need a meeting to talk about what we could have talked about on the phone. And in a lot of cases, it's, it's even beyond that. It's like we're having a meeting to discuss something you could have described to me over email. People need to be a little bit more self-reliant. So sorry for the little rant on work, just really fucking grinding me down, especially with all this bullshit going on around uh, 42 and, and 76, man, like the worst fucking road in America. Who the hell decided that, hey, let's, let's take every major highway in South Jersey and dump them all into one spot before a bridge so that people are cutting from right to left and left to right to try to get off at whatever exit before the bridge. It's just a fucking nightmare, and I know they're trying to fix it. But I swear to God, that 295 project's been going on for my entire life. Literally, probably since the day I was born, they've been trying to do that. And I don't see any fucking progress. They put up some concrete pillars and shit like that, but I feel like that stuff's still going on. And then lately, I don't know if you've been driving on 676, probably not, because most of you don't go that way. But on 676, right before the bridge, right before the Ben Franklin, they've decided, and I, th I think they recently cleared this up, but they decided for like two weeks, two, three week period. We're going to split this, this lane down the middle. We're just going to have a lane that runs right in the middle of 676 going towards Philadelphia. And then coming home, we're going to do the same fucking thing. We're just going to do construction right in the middle of this fucking highway that everybody takes to get somewhere. Whether you're going over the bridge, coming back from Philly. Let's put, let's put this construction. And it's not like, this is what I don't understand. Maybe this is because of unions or something like that. They do it in the middle of like fucking rush hour traffic in the morning and then rush hour traffic when you're coming home. And I'm just like, why can't you do this shit at night when nobody's on the road? You got those big, bright, like baseball field lights. Fucking do it then. I don't give a shit what kind of schedule you. That's your fucking job. Why do you got to inconvenience me on my way to my job so that you can do God knows fucking what? God fucking knows what they do on these roads when they do that shit. Like, I swear to God, three weeks went by. Elaine... Just that just kept shifting onto different spots of the highway, a construction lane. So then you had to split and decide, like, am I going to go into this two lane from hell where somebody's just going to try to, like, for some inexplicable reason, try to, like, cross this median that they can't because it's a concrete wall. So do I go that way or do I stay to the right where, like, I literally, like, it's like a snail's pace. You get stuck behind some old black woman who has no fucking clue where she's going. She has no clue where she even is. And I don't, I don't even think she realizes she's driving a car. To make things worse, uh, one of the things I do on my commute, and I need to stop doing it, is I listen to sports radio. And it is brutal, man. Holy fucking shit. What a dark period for Philadelphia sports talk radio. And this is coming off one of the greatest like events in Philadelphia sports history in the Super Bowl. This year has just been, like, what, they're missing the mark, man. Like, I listen, I'll switch back and forth now between Angelo and uh, this new show they've got with Mark Farzetta. Mark Farzetta looks like a Muppet with a dick for a nose. So he definitely has a face for radio. I'm not really sure how I feel about him yet. I've never liked him on uh, Comcast or whatever the fuck they call it, NBC Sports, whatever the channel's called now. Um, I, I just don't think he, like, does anything for me. He doesn't bring me any fresh insight. I guess he's a nice enough guy, and he's at least a little bit more energetic than... Anthony Gargano, who's probably one of the worst people to listen to on the radio. I just can't stand the cuz. His shtick runs old after a while, doesn't it? 
It's like, oh, dude, like, bro, like, fuck yeah, yeah, man, bro, like, oh, fucking, if I could get Carson's dick, I'd put it in my mouth and swallow it, bro, like a fucking, like a hoagie from Primo's. <coughs> and remember, that family, whatever, whatever fuck Anthony Gargano is up to. I like Angelo's show just because they switch it up. It's it's more of a morning show where it's not all sports all the time. Like they break it up with the Joe Conklin shit, which I typically enjoy. I wish they'd do more of that. And uh, but mostly I'm listening to it to Mike Missinelli on my way home. But the problem with Mike's show, and it's it's not Mike Missinelli. It's everybody who calls into his show. And this is the same thing in the morning. I really, honestly, sports radio needs to stop taking phone calls, just all together. Don't want to hear from anybody in the greater Philadelphia area. All a bunch of fucking rock-headed, um, impulsive, like, first-level thinkers. Like, people incapable of having any kind of second-level thought. Like, we all have knee-jerk reactions to things that happen in sports games, right? Where you, you would say something that when, after you've thought about it for a while, you're like, eh, you know, I felt like that in the moment, but when you really think about it and put everything into perspective, I don't feel that way. Most of the people that call into sports radio don't have that ability to think like that. It's like, oh, fuck this shit. This sucks. We, oh, we suck. Everything sucks. Worst possible scenario for everything. I fucking hate that mentality. That is such a Philadelphia thing. You know, it's like this loser's mentality. Guess what? We're not, I mean, yeah, we're not doing great this year. And I get the frustrations and everything else. But we're acting like the fucking sky is falling here, people. It ain't. Like, everything's, everything's going to be fine. Even if we even if we have a clunker of a year this year and we don't make the playoffs or something crazy like that, I'm not really gonna be like all upset and act like this team's just doomed. We got plenty of talent on this team to turn it around next year if this year doesn't work out, and that's okay because we won the Super Bowl last year. But every fucking person that calls into sports radio is just so hard to listen to. Like here's here is a typical call to a sports radio station. I'll do I'll do it in the context of, of this week. Oh, hey, Mike, uh, yeah, first time, long time, yeah, uh, you know, like, Jalen Mills, just, he's not any good, and I, like, they should probably just, like, get rid of him, like, he's no good, so just get rid of him, yeah, and the team stinks, and, you know, Coach Doug, Coach Doug's fucking, he needs to go, too, and how he's a dick, like, Jim, like, come on, everybody and their mother knows that Jalen Mills isn't playing well. Do I really need to hear it 19 fucking times from 19 different people who can hardly put a sentence together? I don't think so. Here's what sports radio needs to do. I was listening the other day to an interview with Harry Mays, who recently left the Fanatic because of all the drama, and he put it perfectly. He had the, he gets it. That's a guy I've always enjoyed listening to because he gets that it's more than sports. It doesn't need to be sports 24-7. It doesn't need to be Let's talk about every fucking aspect of the Eagles game. Let's break down every single fucking play, every single player. Let's talk about every like potential person we can bring in at running back. Like it does not need to be that all the time. And that's why like if you remember back to like the golden age of sports radio in Philadelphia, it was that one year we had Harry Mays and Tony Bruno, uh, Mike Missinelli. They did Mike and Mike in the morning back then, which I thought was a better show. But it's all of those shows they had something in common. They had an interactive element uh, with social media presence. They they did more than sports. They brought in issues of like just funny shit that you would want to hear two dudes talking about. Like I couldn't sit here and talk about sports on this podcast 24-7 because it'd be boring as shit. The best parts I think of this podcast are the stuff unrelated to sports, talking about like dick jokes and like fucking ticks on my dick and stuff like that. That is what we need to inject into sports radio talk. Like it, To me, it's, it's guy talk. It's locker room talk. That's what sports radio should be. So break up the monotony of fucking callers and all that other bullshit by talking just about anything else. Like literally anything else. And I'm not talking about those polarizing issues of like, oh, should you kneel during the national anthem? And then you get all these like crazy lunatics that call in about their political opinions, which I also don't give a fucking shit about. I care so little about other people's opinions other than the people that are hosting the fucking show that I'm tuning in for. So that's my advice, sports radio. Stop taking calls. Do a little bit more with 
interactiveness on social media or whatever. Bring in like uh, Twitter questions or people's tweets. I like when they read people's tweets and shit because then they can sift through the bullshit ones and get to the ones that actually have some meat. And and bring in an element outside of sports or or find a way to incorporate funny sports storylines like humor and stuff. That's what keeps a show good. That's what keeps a show fresh, like a morning show. Like you think about Angelo's show. When it's when it's Jonesy, Angelo, uh, Al Morgani just sitting around, like dicking around, like saying some borderline, like shit that they're gonna get fined for by the FCC. That is good radio. That is the shit I tune in for. I'm not tuning in to hear Cheryl or whatever her fucking name is from God knows where, who's just some crazy black lady who loves the Eagles and literally like cries at at every opportunity to talk about them. And talks about, oh, I went to church and I prayed for Jesus. I went to church and I prayed for Jesus that the Eagles will win a Sunday. And Angelo, Angelo, you got to go to church so you can help the Eagles win. Like, oh, my God. Why do we have to hear from Shirley? Get the fuck off my radio with that crap. So some of the days, especially after Eagles losses, I've been listening to podcasts because it's just a little bit of something different to break up my commute. And I've noticed that when I listen to the podcast, I just zone out. And I like, I, I like, I'm on autopilot. I don't even know how I got to work. I don't know how I got home. When I listen to sports radio on the way home, I literally want to kill every piece of shit on the road, every shitty Pennsylvania driver. We've talked about it before on the podcast. There is no worse driver in this entire country. And I've been to a bunch of states now at this point. No worse driver in this entire country than a Pennsylvania driver. And I know a couple of you... Our PA residents now. Some of you have been PA residents your whole life. But just because you live in PA doesn't mean you're a PA driver. You had to have been born there and raised there and drank whatever like shitty water they have in Pennsylvania that makes you such a shitty driver that uh, that you're just doing all kinds of goofy shit on the road that doesn't make any fucking sense. So sorry to rant. I, I know I started this off hot, but I'm in a salty mood after uh, after the way things have gone lately. The other thing I want to rant about real quick, which I think is absolutely ridiculous, is uh, Halloween decorations. Or actually, any decoration outside of Christmas that you put outside of your house. Like, uh, in my opinion, the only time to put shit outside of your house is during the Christmas and the holiday season. If you're putting shit out there for Halloween, like, in my neighborhood, you drive through my neighborhood right now at night, they've got, like, those projector lights up, like the ones they do on Christmas, but it's Halloween themed. It's orange and black lights or like a spider web that, that that projects onto the house. It looks fucking stupid. And who the fuck cares about Halloween, honestly? Halloween, when you're an adult, is about like, you know, girls dressed like slutty occupations and getting shit-faced in a costume. When you're a kid, it's about candy and trick-or-treating. I never went to a house as a kid and was like, oh, wow, they did great decorations. So, like, the people in my neighborhood that are decorating for Halloween, fuck off with your witch on a broomstick or your fall foliage thing that you're doing. Jen likes to do pumpkins outside. I even think that's fucking stupid. Because what's a pumpkin do? A pumpkin rots. A pumpkin just sits there and rots on your porch and starts to stink, and then raccoons come and eat it. Stupid fucking decorations for non-Christmas holidays. Get the fuck out, along with... Five-day work weeks. So let's, let's, let's recap real quick about all the things that are pissing me off. It's fucking five-day work weeks, my commute, sports talk radio, and shitty Halloween decorations. Fuck them all. I actually have one more thing that I left off the list. That it has, it's unrelated to all that. I mean, I guess they're all unrelated, but whatever. I've been drinking. Um, there's a tree in my backyard that Jen's wanted to get rid of for so long. Uh, it's like It was right in front of the chicken coop. She's worried about it falling over. I get it. And all of the trees around here were those. I don't know. I don't know what kind of tree it is. I'm not a fucking arbologist or whatever tree people are called. Um, but it was a tree that was intended to grow fast. So it doesn't root deep, but it's a very tall tree. It's probably like 15 to 20 feet tall. And apparently, according to my neighbor, who is the foremost tree expert, the guy who lives next door to me is like, he's like, he like, you know, how they say like an angel gets his wings every time like somebody dies or some shit. I don't know what the saying is. This guy gets his wings every time a tree gets cut down. This guy loves trees. When I got my fence put up, there was a tree he planted on my property like a dick, like a dick bag. Like he just literally planted it on my property. This is before I got here, bud. 
it was a young tree. And I'm like, dude, your tree is on my property line. We're going to have to move that fucker, okay? And he gave me a hard time. And he's like, well, you know, it's a great tree. You could give your dogs lots of shade. And he's telling me all about the tree and, like, its genomes and geology or fucking, like, whatever biological shit that he was telling me about the tree. And I'm like, my man, I'm going to get a shovel. I'm going to dig your tree up. And I'm just going to throw it on your on your porch. Or I'll be a good neighbor, like State Farm. And we'll dig this fucker up and we'll dig the fucker into a new spot. So that's what we did. We moved this tree. And he was so happy that we were able to replant this tree somewhere else. And he got a big old heart on for the fucking tree. But anyway, my neighbor, the tree expert, was explaining to me that this tree is the ki- a kind of tree that it doesn't take long to reach its maximum height. So within 15 years, this tree is 15 to 20 feet. And because of that, it's not a sturdy tree. Like it was a tree that was intended to just take up space and create a border to your yard. There was never a plan for a fence for this house when the guy originally put these trees in. But now I got a fence. I've got a chicken coop. And all of that shit is near this tree that's literally like one gust of wind and a shitty storm away from falling and killing all my chickens. So the first lady wanted to get rid of it. I was like, all right, you call up a company and figure it out, and I'll help you pay for it. So, of course, you know, the only shit around here is the shitty people in South Jersey. In Gloucester County, uh, in my experience, this is every small business in Gloucester County. I'm going to break it down for you. They're family-owned, usually a husband and wife, or a divorced couple, or some kind of, like, dad and his son. Something family-owned. There's a secretary or a person who answers the phone who's a miserable woman, uh, always miserable for some reason, like picks up the phone almost inquisitively as to like, why are you calling me? And this is how a phone call goes when you call one of those businesses. Uh, Hi, I'm looking for a tree removal. Huh? Who's this? Um, I'm calling about a tree service. Oh, okay. Like, what's uh, what time? Like, what day are you looking for it? Um, like as soon as you can. All right. Well, hon, I don't have anything available for like three weeks. Okay, but like, I'll get back to you and have my owner call you or something. I'm like, all right. And then they fucking hang up on you. You don't hear back from them for three weeks, and then you follow up, and there's no idea that they talked to you the first time, and you do the whole song and dance, and then eventually you get through to somebody that actually fucking talk to you. So we use this tree company, just fucking bumblefuck uh, tree removal service from down here in like Pittman or somewhere like that. And originally when we got the quote, and I'm like, you know, tree removal, 15 to 20 foot tree, it's going to be pricey, right? I'm thinking like in my head, I'm like, oh, it's going to be close to like a grand to remove this tree because it's fucking huge. The guy comes and he goes to like Harrison House Diner, which is the local like town diner. And he just sits there for hours waiting for Jen to come home for some reason, even though Jen told him, I'll be home at five o'clock. I can show you the tree real quick. And then we can go from there, right? He got there at like noon, is power dialing Jen at work and being like, hey, I'm at the diner. Where are you? And we're like, oh, we told we told your shitty worthless secretary that we'd be there at five o'clock. But apparently she didn't relay the message. So this guy eventually comes out, takes a look at the tree to give us a quote. He looks like something out of Deliverance, missing teeth overalls, like from that part of New Jersey that's basically Alabama. And he tells us 300 bucks, 300 bucks to to get rid of this tree. So I think in our heads, we were like, oh, 300 bucks, you're going to chop the tree down, chop it into little pieces and get the fuck out of here, right? No. This guy's like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to... I'm going to chop the tree down, and I'm going to break it into manageable pieces for you to dispose of. Cool. So I'm thinking he's going to chop it up into, like, firewood or, like, you know, at least pieces I could carry. This motherfucker basically chopped the tree down. It's, like, literally, like, it's it's he left it where it fell. It looks like he just, like, honestly, like, I could have done this. He chopped the tree down, like, fucking George Washington or Abe Lincoln. Who chopped the tree down? It was one of those two. Chop the tree down and let it fall. Cut it into like three sections. Again, 20 to 15 to 20 foot tree. Three sections. And he's calling that manageable pieces. Manageable pieces for who? Like, I'm not the fucking mountain from Game of Thrones. I'm not strong man. I'm not Lane Johnson. I can't put a fucking 
five to 10 foot section of tree trunk on my shoulder and just get it the fuck out of here. So now I basically have to do the job for him. So I got to chop this fucker into pieces and get it the fuck out of my yard. Right now, I just got a, a fallen tree in my yard. The branches and all. Like, wherever the branches fell, he just left them there. He didn't give a shit. It's just like people don't take any pride in their work anymore. And that drives me nuts. I'm somebody who takes a great pride in everything I do. If I'm doing a job, I'm going to do it right. I ain't going to fucking pussyfoot around and cut corners and any of that shit. I'm going to get the job done. This guy didn't. This guy took $300 from me to basically knock the tree over. Next time, learn my lesson. Never using a fucking small business here again. Going to do everything myself from here on out. Unless I really can't fucking figure it out. Unless I really can't fucking do it. I'm doing everything myself. I could have gone. I could have I could have done exactly what this fucking guy did. Like how hard is it to fucking cut down a tree and just yank it one way? Like four dudes were here to do that. Bullshit. Bullshit fucking job. So tired of the fucking South Jersey, Gloucester County trash that surrounds me. I'm going to do everything myself. So if you need wood, I think I offered the wood to Dave. Uh, so Dave, brah, you want to come pick up this wood? I got heavy wood for you, my friend. And I will, I'll get it all cleaned up and I'll do the job right. I won't leave you with wood like this fucking guy. How about some good news? All I've been talking is doom and gloom and shitty stuff. Good news. I got a new TV. Not exactly a new or brand new TV, but uh, Dino decided to upgrade his TV to a big 70-inch, like, 4K, you know, top-of-the-line fucking TV. So the old one that was in his family room, which is a very nice TV, more than I could ever afford, uh, he gave to me. He offered it to me because he knows my brother won't take care of it, and my other brother already bought a TV. So uh, I, I had this big entertainment system, if you remember, the big black monstrosity that was in my family room. Had to take that shit apart. Under the impression the whole this whole time that I've lived in this house, that that thing was anchored into the wall? Nope. Uh, basically, <laughs> he put the anchors into the wall. But you know how, like, when you, when you drill into drywall? It's drywall. It's basically, like, glorified paper mache. You need an anchor or, like, one of those molly bolts to stick a screw into a into drywall. He just fucking drilled right into the drywall. Basically, like as loose as, like, a flaccid dick. And that thing, if you just, like, a gust of wind would have knocked that fucker over. Like, I'm surprised my dogs are alive and they didn't run into that thing and just kill themselves. So I got rid of that big monstrosity. Got a new, like, uh, mounted TV stand, which is just a cheap piece of shit from Walmart. But now I got a 60-inch TV. I'm fucking pumped about it, and all I want to do is watch it. I just want to every... I want to just consume media on this giant screen. Like, and I feel like lately I haven't been able to do that. I've never had a TV like this in my life. Like, the biggest TV I think I've ever had is, like, 32 inches. This is, like, almost double that. So I'm pumped. And all I want to do is watch fucking shows and sports and all that other shit on it. And, uh, you know, Jen's like, okay, well, let's cook dinner and do this other stuff. And then we were, like, watching TV. And I'm not watching, like, sports. And I really want to just watch fucking sports. Because, man, I watch sports. But, yeah, I'm excited. Pumped for the TV. If you guys want to come over and watch some uh, some TV, I'd fucking dig that. I would absolutely dig that. Game's on tomorrow. Eagles game. We're going to get to that. So I would love to, uh, if you want to come, I mean, prob you probably won't because uh, I, I know I live out here in the sticks. But hey, offers on the table if you want to come by and, and hang out with the commish. I do want to briefly address the Eagles. I'm not going to hit you with uh, an extensive analysis because I think you're all pretty sick of hearing all the same shit about how Jalen Mills stinks. The offense is inconsistent. We need a running back and blah, 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 blah. But what I will say is that tomorrow's game is very important. Because the only shot really you have now of making the playoffs is to win your division. So you have to win your divisional games, especially against the Giants. The Giants are not a good football team. Sorry, Fox. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. They are not a good football team. That game last weekend, they had that game wrapped up like multiple times and they found a way to just <laughs> shit the bed like the Giants do. There's so much talent on that team, but they just can't figure it out. You you look at our team and you're like, wow, there's a lot of talent on that team and they can't figure it out. The Giants, holy shit, do they have some talented weapons, just no offensive line. No offensive line and a defense that's honestly underperforming. I think they're better than what they've shown. 
But all in all, a shitty team with a shitty coach uh, and a shitty stretch of what this organization has been for a, a pretty long time now. This is probably the shittiest stretch I can remember for the Giants since like the post-Bill Parcell or pre-Bill Parcell era. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think back. Like This is some shitty football. Um, so yeah, you got the Giants. You got to beat the Giants tomorrow night. It's imperative. It's a, I, this is a must. I know they say like every week, must win game. This is a absolutely must win game. You lose this game, your season's done. Here's why it's a must win. And I'm going to give you some good stuff here. There are 11 games left. Okay. 11 games. Right now you're sitting at two and three. 11 games. So that means to make the playoffs, in my opinion, I think this division is good enough where a team, uh, maybe a couple teams may go nine and seven. To win this division, I think you've got to be at least 10-6. And, and that's something they've been saying on the radio, and I agree with. One of the few things they've been saying on the radio I agree with. You basically have to go 8-3, and three, which is not going to be easy, guys. Like, listen to the schedule from here on out. You got obviously have the Giants tomorrow. It's a divisional game. Regardless of whether the Giants are good or not, you're still going to New York on a short week. Tough game. You follow it up next Sunday against Carolina. Granted, the game is at home. So a little bit easier. Um, but Carolina is one of those teams that can just come in and beat you. And I don't think they're, I, I, in my heart of hearts, I don't think they're a good football team. Or they're not a great football team. They're a decent football team. They've got weapons. They've got, they certainly have weapons that can beat us. And their defense is decent enough to stall our offense, which has looked like PPDD. Then you go to London. Not Michael, but the, but the city of London, England to face the Jaguars, who basically are a home team in London. They've done this trip multiple times. This is your first time doing it. And regardless of where you play the Jaguars, that's a good football team. That is a contender for the Super Bowl. Very good football team. And if you think that our weapons on offense are going to do shit against guys like Jalen Ramsey and all the other studs they have on their defense, you got another thing coming, friend. We're gonna have we're gonna have some struggles there. Like I think their offense is what kills them ultimately, but that's a tough game, a very tough game. Then you come home, Cowboys divisional game again. Anything could happen. You go to New Orleans, a very tough spot to play, where most of the games in New Orleans end up being a shootout. And so far this season, I haven't seen anything to indicate to me that that is something that we're capable of of competing in. It is a shootout. So you got to hope that we can turn things around. Then you come back, Giants, Redskins, Cowboys, three divisional games in a row. It's hard to win three divisional games in a row. Then you go out to L.A. You play the best team in football in the Los Angeles Rams. You come back home. You got the Texans. And then you finish the season up with the Redskins. That is a very tough schedule, guys. So, like, look at these teams. Like, these are all playoff contenders for the most part outside of your division. And then the divisional games are divisional games. They are what they are. So you have to go at least 8-3 and three to get to 10 wins. And at this point, I'm not feeling that great. And I'm not saying like somebody's going to run away with this division because it's not going to happen. You may be able to squeak in at 9-7, and 8-8 eight and eight or whatever. I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. But, man, we got, our, we got our work cut out for us. And... Based off of what I saw this week, there's lots of rumors swirling around about running backs and bringing this guy and that guy in. I think the Eagles are going to stand pat because the way they're looking at it most likely is that we won the Super Bowl last year, don't need to do anything drastic. If this season ends up not working out, it is what it is. We're going to try to correct our mistakes from a draft standpoint, a free agency standpoint, because there were a lot of missteps here. We've talked about some of them in the group chat. The draft picks... Maybe not some of the best in the past. Like, obviously, the, the, the Pumphrey one's the one that stands out to me the most. Just a complete waste of a pick. Sidney Jones is starting to look like a little bit of a bust. Uh, and the, the list goes on and on when it comes to draft picks. So you, you got to, and like now you have a lot of holes to address. Maybe you can get some of them in free agency, but more likely you have to hit on your fucking draft picks. It is frustrating as hell. And you thought you had this diamond in the rough with a guy like Jalen Mills, but the bottom line is Jalen Mills is a. I th I still think he's a better player than he's shown. It's more of coaching. I don't think Jim Schwartz is a very good coach, guys. Like, yeah, his system is a. It's it fits the the talent on this team in the sense that 
We have, we've had historically a very strong front four. But for the most part, this whole bend but don't break mentality, fuck that shit. We have aggressive players on in that secondary. Like Jalen Mills is an aggressive guy, and he's playing 10 yards off the ball, almost 15 yards off the ball in some on some plays. He's basically playing safety. If the motherfucker wants to line up as a safety, you might as well just play him there. Just driving me nuts with that shit. The offense, on the other hand, is the thing that's frustrating me the most. The most, even more than the defense. Because ultimately, in that game last week, Eagles are up like 17-3. to I think that was the score uh, going into like third quarter-ish. You're driving down the field. Offense fumbles the ball. In the fucking red zone. Missteps, man. They're, one of their touchdowns came on a, an offensive misstep. Came from Lane Johnson just getting blown through and getting Carson crushed. And like, yeah, I know a lot of people have been critical of Carson saying, oh, well, you know, he's got to stop holding on to the ball and all this shit. And the penalty where he took us out of field goal range out of the, after the turnover with the intentional grounding. But my man is just trying to win the game because nobody else around him is doing shit. Doing shit. Get my man some fucking help. Like, Jesus Christ, the drops, the penalties, this bullshit. It's just like inconsistency. No rhythm offense is just killing me. And I get it. Weapons are missing. All that other shit. Offensive line has been crap. And I think all of the rhythm starts with the offensive line. Part of that's play calling. You got to get your offensive line going with some run plays. And I know we don't have the personnel, but fucking A, man. Get Wendell Smallwood in there and run the fucking ball. Clement, tomorrow, get him some fucking carries. Get these guys the fucking ball. Let the offensive line smell some fucking blood in the water. And let's go. I think the game tomorrow is... It starts with the run, fucking show run. Even if it doesn't work out, I am okay with three straight four and or three straight three and outs. If they're running the ball and they're pounding the ball, it's eventually going to break. You got to stick with it. You can't have this like scripted plays where it's like fifteen passes and two runs. That shit is not going to work in the NFL. It didn't work for us last year. Last year we spread the ball around. We 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 had creative play calling. We had very like poignant and opportunistic play calling. This year, I am not seeing it, man. And maybe like there's merit to this whole Frank Reich and John D. Filippo thing, but we got to figure something out. It's amazing too how separately those guys all aren't aren't doing so great. Together, they were fantastic. Something to be said. You can't break up the band, and they did. But I still have high hopes for this team, guys, because <sighs> at the end of the day, you've got a franchise quarterback and who I think is one of the best quarterbacks in football in Carson Wentz. You still have a defense with enough weapons, especially up front, to do some damage, to keep, some, to, to keep points off the board. I still believe that, despite the chunk yardage plays. And I do think with Alshon Jeffrey... With Zach Ertz and even Goddard, who they got to get more involved. I need to see some more two tight end sets. I think you can, with good play calling and good, just like consistent offense and a rhythm, you can get this shit going. You can turn this ship around, especially with the shitty division we play in. That's all I'm going to say about the Eagles. Tomorrow is a must-win game, and we got to show up, and we got to be, we got to be at our best, despite the fucking short week. Got to be at your best. All right, enough ranting and raving. Let's get into the matchups from this week because this is the Fantasy Football Podcast. Let's hit it. Oh, yeah, the fucking song's back. You're goddamn right the fucking song's back. All right, let's get into our matchup. So the first matchup this week, Kamish took on Turd Ferguson. And uh, the Commissioner Challenge on the line this matchup, too. Kamish looking for a win. Jake looking to improve. And the Gentile Division looking really strong. Jake pretty much took it to me this week, man. Todd Gurley uh, just fucking butt-raped me. Todd Gurley just having another incredible year, uh, along with Sony Michel. And, of course, uh, Adam Thielen, man, just killing it. Five games, I think, all 100-plus yards. Me, on the other hand, I made some mistakes. I didn't start Andrew Luck. I think I had every chance and opportunity to win this game if I just managed a little bit better. But Kamish goes down because he's stupid. Uh, Jake over the commission, 113.2 to 88.7. And uh, that win moves Jake to 3-2, which is good for second place in the Gentile division. 
The commission, on the other hand, moves to two and three, which puts them in the basement right now of the Gentile division, but not too far out of contention for a playoff spot despite the struggles. Our next matchup, we had a close one. Das Cheeks versus Geodis Trump. Stein versus Dave. Uh, Dave has been a team this year. He's trying to figure it out. What is he? What does he want to be? And this this week was all about Drew Brees, baby. Drew Brees putting up records, setting records, and getting it done for Dave. 36.9 points. And also got a lot of help from Antonio Brown with 25.1 points. But that's what you need, Dave. You need your big hitters to come through, and that happened this week. And Stein's team continues its struggles. Kinsey Anuwa and Austin Safarian Jenkins, both with goose eggs. Stein at 1-4 now. So that, that loss put Stein at 1-4. That's good for last place in the league, fellas. Not looking good for Stein. Dave, on the other hand, moves to 3-2 and two and is in great spot. A really great spot right now in the Gentile division. Our next matchup. Uh, BJ the Chicago Kid versus Chef Schof in a battle of the Gentile division. Uh, let's, let's dive into it. So Chef Schof sitting on top of the league coming into the week. Um, another great week from his uh, his squad. Saquon. Or what? No, I'm looking at the wrong squad now. Oh, let's switch it over to Jof. Jof. He had uh, some great productions from a fill-in. TJ Yeldon really capitalizing on Leonard Fournette going down. Devontae Adams, a great game uh, off of a cut, uh, attempted comeback from Green Bay. And then, uh, you know, BJ's squad, they're 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 consistent in that they're uh inconsistent <laughs> uh but not inconsistent enough to make him worry a lot of good players on that team a lot of good squads i hate this fucking music after this point you guys know that you want to start the music over let's start the music over let's give everybody a fresh round of music you ready oh yeah the music's back baby now i'm pumped now i'm juiced to talk about joe oh right so yeah joe just got a little bit better of a week than bj and beat him by about uh, 10 points, 122.3 to 111.7. Jof still sitting on top of the league at 4-1. 4-1, people. BJ not far behind at 3-2. Still sitting in third place in the Gentile division. The Gentile division is the new Jew division. Orange is the new black, fellas. Uh, Jof over the Chicago kid, 122.3 to 111.7. In our next matchup, we had another showdown of mark and fox and fox complaining hey why am i playing mark so much well guess what motherfucker you play everybody in your division twice sometimes three times that's just the way it is you're getting it out of the way early so mark mark squad looking good so far this year uh tom brady showed up to play for him 36.9 points Mark Ingram, who finally got a, a little bit of care, carries uh, Mark sitting on the suspension. No worries. 20.3 points this week. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, not so great. But I like them. I like starting him. I like I like the bold move there, Mark. Um, but it wasn't enough. Fox, Aaron Rodgers started the, uh, started the half, the second half, with like negative points, if I'm remembering correctly. Came all the way back with 39.1 points. That's Aaron Rodgers for you, kids. Christian McCaffrey, Stefan Diggs, all getting it done for Fox. He takes this one over Mark, 133.2 to 122.4. And that that win helps Fox move out of the basement and a little bit away from paintball contention. Mark's still sitting pretty here in the Jew division, which, again, is not very strong. Mark in second place there in the Jew division. Plenty of football left for everybody to kind of move around. And now I'm gonna—I gotta start this fucking song over again. I'm not juiced enough, fellas. You wanna start the song? Start the fucking song! Yeah, yeah. Cause we got one more matchup to talk about, and it's probably the most exciting matchup of the week. All right, so we got Zach versus Mike, and I believe their first matchup ever. So Mikey, he's been talking about, man, I can't get my squad right. I can't figure this shit out. I'm making some bad moves. He gets fucked this week with Brandon Cooks. Just gets absolutely crushed. I don't even know if he knows where he is still. Despite the great game from Ben Roethlisberger in 30 points, James Conner putting up 32.5 points, Mike just could not get past this tour de force that is Zach Maron. Zach, just consistency up and down the squad. Phillip Rivers, who I wouldn't have started, but Zach had the foresight to start 28.8 points. 
Melvin Gordon, who's been very consistent with 20 points. DeAndre Hopkins, 17.6. Demarius Thomas finally coming through with 19. And Zach Ertz finally seeing the end zone on some garbage time with 22 points. Zach beats Mark 145.6 to 122.8. And with that win, Zach sits alone. Did I say Mark? I meant Mike. Zach now sits alone. 3-2 on top of the Jew division. Looking really fucking good with a bye in, in, the, in the playoffs. So them was your matchups this week. And I brought the music back. I, I wasn't sure if I was going to do it or not. I brought it back, and, uh, you know, it was kind of disastrous. But fuck it. I think that's what makes great podcasting. But anyway, uh, this week, with uh, 145.6 points, Zachary Maron is your weekly MVP and proud winner of $5 cash money. Zach, now our, his first MVP, I believe, has opted. Or is it his second? I don't know. Fucking can't remember. Just drink and smoke too much this season. It's been a blur. But uh, Zach has opted into the Commissioner's Challenge. Nice balls. Nice set on you there, Zach. I accept your challenge. The chance to go double or nothing here against the Commish. So uh, I look forward to it. My first matchup head-to-head -head against Zach didn't fare so well. So I'm hoping the Commissioner's Challenge fares a little bit better. So that was the matchups this week. Let's look at the playoff picture. I'm just going to pull it up real quick. Just want to see where is everybody sitting in terms of the projected playoff standings at the moment. So right now, the last team into the playoffs at the sixth seed is Das Cheeks. Das Cheeks, Das Cheeks, Das Cheeks, Das Cheeks. Dave sneaking into the playoffs right now. Uh, the number five seed, we got BJ the Chicago Kid. Four seed, we got Mark. Uh, three seed, we got Jake. And then... Getting a bye with the two seed is Zach and the number one team right now, Jove. Did you guys ever think you'd see the day where Jove would be on top of the league? But he is, and he's looking real good right now, and everybody should be worried. Uh, first team out of the playoff picture right now is Fox. And then followed by the Kamish, who has not had great luck. And then fighting for paintball contention. Within the Jew division, we've got two teams. We've got Mikey London, and we've got Stein. And again, how are we going to do the paintball punishment to Stein? Because Stein is our marksman. How can he shoot himself? We shall see. With that, though, let's get into the power rankings. But remember, for all of you out there, rankings are much like the appliances in your home. They are nothing. Unless you've got power! <laughs> Here we go. Number 10. Coming in at number 10 in paintball contention is the baby daddy himself, Mr. Maxwell Rosanelli. Now, Max, I know you're busy at home. You got a lot going on. And I apologize to hear, uh, and I'm, I'm very, I'd like to send my condolences to uh, your family right now. I know you're going through a tough time with some of the stuff that's going on. And uh, even tougher time here in the league. And that sucks too. But just know, You've got a daughter on the way. That's going to change your life. That shit is awesome. I'm so proud of you, brother. But, uh, yeah, figure out your squad. Because right now you're in the basement. Number nine. Coming into number nine, and honestly, he's also in contention here. And he's a guy who just needs to figure his shit out because he's got a decent enough squad. It's Mikey London. Mr. Cleveland himself. Heading down to the land next weekend to uh, hang out with my buddy Mike for his wedding day. And I'm very excited. And next week, we are going to have that special episode, as I, pre as I previewed in the previous podcast, and I'll continue to preview throughout this one. Uh, so make sure you, you tune in for that one. It should be a good one. But uh, Mike, right now, coming in at number nine. Number eight. Coming in at number eight, despite what the stats say, is, this, is the smelly farter, Zifo. Zifo's out there in California doing God knows what, smelling farts and not emitting gas into the air through his vehicle, just his ass. Uh, but his squad is inconsistent, and uh, right now they're they're sitting shitty in the Jew division, which is surprising of Zifo, who has been pretty consistent. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Him at number eight. Number seven. Coming in at number seven is the Kamish. And I do put myself above Zifo because I think I'm a better team than what I've showed. We got over the hump of uh, some of these injuries. We're getting guys back, getting healthy, and I think you guys better watch out if... The Atlanta Falcons could just figure it out. Devonta. Devonta. Give him the ball, dude. Fucking A. 
Too many running backs out there in Atlanta. Killing the Kamish. That's why he's at number seven. Number six. Coming in at number six, climbing his way up, crawling, fighting for every point is Dave. Dave is tuned into the matchups. He's watching. He's he's rooting his guys on. Drew Brees, man, don't get rid of him. He's your bread and butter. The guy could win you games this year. Maybe you can figure out a way to get something off the waiver. I don't know. Probably not. But uh, yeah, man, you want to trade still? I'm open. I, I got options, I guess, if you're into that sort of thing. Let me know, dude. Number five. Coming in at number five is BJ the Chicago Kid. Just ran into a, uh, a tough matchup this week, but I think decent enough squad. Uh, again, it's all starters. Not much on the bench. But uh, this quarterback's pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good, number five. Number four. Number four, Mr. Mark. Mark is very consistent in that he's very consistent. He's always doing well. Mark. Mark's a competitive dude. He's uh, also Margarita. I bet you he's drinking a Margarita like right now, listening to this podcast. He's King Margarita, and he's at number four. Number three. Number three. Disrespectful of the commissioner, maybe, according to you. But I'm putting Jof at number three. Despite being on top of the league. This is power rankings. This isn't, uh, you know, this isn't who's on top of the league. You got to shake things up. And according to the, the commission's view, um, we got to project the season. And we got to see that I don't think Jof is going to stay there at the top because there's lots of good teams gunning for him. So prove me wrong, Jof. Go for the crown. Number two. Coming in at number two, and I think, in my opinion, Maybe one of the best teams in the lane. Very good team. Solid squad. Whooped my ass this week because of some bad decisions. But he capitalized. He's got Todd Gurley. It's Jake at number two. Number one. Which means at number one, sitting on top of the commission's power rankings, is Zach Marron. So congratulations, Zach. You've made it to the number one spot. But can you stay there? Do you got enough? Is there gas in the fucking tank to take it out through the year? Because there's people gunning for you, too. And this ain't no easy league anymore. So the Jude Division needs to step it up if you want to get past Zach Marron. So those are your power rankings. Brought to you by Guided Door and Window, because why not? You need new windows or doors probably at some point in your life. So call those fuckers, because who else are you going to call? You can call the guys who cut down my tree, because they're not going to help you out. They'll probably just leave a door on your doorstep and tell you, thanks for uh, thanks for shopping. We don't do the installation part. Got a door and window. Don't deal with idiots. I know I'm running long. Well, I try to cut it in an hour because somebody's telling me, yeah, just do an hour, bro. It's too long. So I'm trying to get it in an hour, but we got content to get to, okay? Sometimes I'm going to rant in the beginning. Then I get progressively more drunk and say stupid shit in between. And, uh... Then we get to you guys, which is my favorite part. So by the time we get to you guys, I'm pretty shit-faced. And I can give you like just my untethered feedback on, on your stuff. I, I, like, I don't really listen to it before. I just kind of like, I, I, I listen to a few lines to get the gist so I can organize it into a cohesive manner. But I don't actively listen until I'm listening to it live. So you get my, you get my real response. That's just the way it is. Uh, so let's go to you, the caller. Our first call goes to our buddy Dave. Let's hear from Dave. Brent, great podcast. Checking in. Had a couple notes. One, your hair, man. I love your hair. All right? Never take criticism or advice from somebody that doesn't have hair or has had the same haircut their whole life because they're just jealous, bro. Uh, Flyers need a goalie, bro. That, like, they've needed a goalie the last 20, 25 years. Maybe some textile. Um, they got rid of Bob Rosky. I, I guess that was their best shot at once. But they got rid of him prematurely. And yo, Jake. We're both two and two, brother. I'm not, sh not sure by the time this comes out what our records will be, but I'm not last. Signs and last. I want to paintball him. Don't be paintballing me ever again. I can't take it. Can't take the wealth. They don't go away. The older you get, bruised like a peach. <laughs> uh, yeah, group was at both their bachelor parties, by the way. But it's all good. Sign our pal. Dude, I, har I hardly remember Goof being at either of them, but. He was there. He was definitely there. I know he was. And he, he was he was memorable, and I don't remember it. <laughs> it's just whatever. Anyway, I appreciate appreciate what you said about my hair. I enjoy having hair. It's great. 
I, I like to think that uh, I have a luscious head of hair. Yeah, I try to switch up the style every now and then because you need to. You don't you don't want to be stale. There's no fun in that. Anyway, uh, yeah, Flyers absolutely need a goalie. That team looks like garbage. The only great, the only good thing about the Flyers right now is the fucking mascot, which is a shame. Um, yeah, hopefully they can figure it out. Uh, let's go to Mike. See how Dave keeps bugging everybody for like a trade for a running back. I need a trade for a win, dude. I can't fucking get one, man. I'm just gonna bend over and take it like a man when I get paintball, dude. It fucking sucks, man. Don't give up, brother. You're in a shitty division. And uh, you got talent. You're like the Eagles right now. You're not. You're just. You're a good team playing bad. That's what it is. Figure it out, dude. Yo, smelly farter here, aka Zfo, aka Z. I just needed to, you know. Uh, all right, I already forgot exactly what I was gonna say. Fuck. <laughs> but uh, no, I really just wanted to. Let's back know that I'm coming for his ass. I think that's two victories in five weeks. So, you know, you know, all right, all right. Still don't know what else to say here. But um, come for that ass. All right, dogs. What up, dogs? Just a fucking gem right there from Zifo. Thank you, friend. Uh, I appreciate you checking in. Um, maybe, like, write some stuff down before you talk. I don't know. It'll help. You seem to just, like, enjoy the sound of your voice. And you're like, ah, duh. The Giants are uh, going to get their ass kicked this week, dude. Yeah, me and Stein, though, the Battle of the Shitties. Uh, one, for, one and four versus one and four. I don't know, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be not so bueno. But best of luck to you, Stein. I hope I beat you. I fucking need it. Yeah, man. Battle of the shitties, indeed. I can't wait to see who wins that battle. Um, but I can tell you, it's gonna be a uh, a fuzzy little dude. God, K. Adams is cute. Oh, shut up! You're cute. Stop talking about my Eagles like that. Cute, McGee. Oh, 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 and about the running back situation for the Eagles, I want Shady anywhere near this team, dude. LaShawn McCoy is toast, man. Um, I don't know what else we can do, but I hope Howie pulls it off, man. I don't know, man. I think they're staying pat. Uh, I don't think they're going to get Shady. Fuck that shit. And, like, an offseason, don't bring him here either. Or D-Jack. I'm done with all these other people. No more retreads. Get me some fresh fucking blood. If we could have some magical Super Bowl run like Retard Eli has done twice, I could see it happening. Just, you know, maybe make a trade, change the team. We need a turning point. Like that field goal last year against the Giants, we need something like that. Spark the squad. I could see it happening. Maybe, Dave. Maybe the Giants are just what we need to get that little spark, to have that turning point. It did start with them last year, and anything can happen. Just need to get the boys going. We're going to hear from our buddy checking in for the first time. Zach Marron, our team's ranked number one team. All right. First sounder. Um, just wanted to say, uh, first off, uh, congrats to Mike. Uh, sorry I can't be there for the wedding. Um, really excited for you. Going to lose your virginity, bud. Um <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I hope you guys have a good time there. I can't make it because I had uh, my cousin's wedding also this month that I had to travel for. So, um, but also, all right, so bear with me while I rant for a bit. So I was at this wedding this past weekend and we had to go all the way up into Massachusetts. Um, and I have to say like rich white people suck. Like, rich people, rich white people suck. Like, we, this wedding, wrap your mind around this. This wedding cost $150,000. You know how, do you know what I would do with $150,000? I would tell my wife that she can go fuck herself and we are going to have the simplest wedding and that whoever 
you know, if I was getting that money from my parents, her parents, we'd just take that, buy a house, like, go on nice vacation, save, invest. Like, who the fuck wants to spend all that money right away when you start a new relationship? Like, unbelievable. And I'm sorry if I'm offending any of you. Like, I don't know what you guys spent on your weddings. I hope you didn't spend that much because that's insane. But I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, I can say all this stuff. But realistically, when it comes down to it, I have no say. It's going to be what my wife wants, what my future wife wants. Like, it's, I, who knows, man. Maybe I'll be that guy who I'm like crying as, you know, her parents are throwing however much money at the wedding. So, who knows? Yeah, man. Weddings are expensive and some people are a little excessive. Um, from what I remember from Mike talking, the pretty hefty price tag on this one, but I think that's more on the fun. I don't know. We'll see. I'm excited for it. But yeah, man, weddings are expensive and it's not about what you want. Like you can be like, yeah, I just want a simple wedding. And then you have a wife and that's your first lesson in marriage is the wedding. So Mike, learn your lessons here, bud, because uh, you'll understand one day it does. It is different. It changes when you get married. It does. Everything's different. Stakes are higher, as they would say. Let's go to one of my favorite colors, Jake from Fairmont. Uh, hey, Brent. First time, long time. Big fan. This is Jake from Fairmount. Um, I just had a question for you. Um, if Stein, a.k.a. Geodis Trump, finishes last and gets paintballed, does he have to wear a Donald Trump mask while we shoot him? Thanks. I'll, uh, I'll hang up and listen for your answer. That is absolutely now a policy. If uh, if he loses, it's Trump mask, man. I'll even provide the mask because I think that'd be hilarious. I actually have one at work in my desk. Don't ask why. Uh, back to Mike. Dude, should I get married? Should I just bounce? I can't take the dog, so I have to leave him. Um, should I do it? Never too late, dude. Not too late. You let me know what you think. I don't know, man. It's up to you. Forever's a long time. Forever. And ever. Ever. I'm kidding. I'm gonna fucking marry this broad. Yeah, man. Do do your thing. Do your do your duty. Do your duty. And get married. Just fucking get it over with. Lose your virginity, as Zach said. Um, marriage is a blessing, man. It's a blessing because you know you're. You're more than just you now. Now you're a family. You got you got shit around you. You got a dog. Like that's something, man. It ain't nothing. It's something. And it's yours. So don't lose sight of that. That's my best advice. Family is yours, and you are the family. So everything starts from you, and your wife, and then you go from there. That's all for the Sounders this week. I appreciate everybody for checking in. Um, for those of you who didn't, fuck you. Fuck you. I'm pissed at you. Don't talk to me. You know who you are. I'm mad at you. <laughs> like an angry cat, like in the alley. Like, fuck. Like, you just walk by and like, yeah, fuck you. That's, that's me right now with you. But everybody who checked in, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. All right, this week we got some matchups, some good matchups. We'll start with uh, the three and two. BJ the Chicago Kid taking on. Zeke and the White Guys, that's the old Kamish at 2-3. and Kamish really needs a win. A lot of uh, little bit of a rivalry here between BJ and I with uh, some great matchups in the past, including the playoffs last year. So look forward to that one. Then we got Zefo at 2-3, and three, taking on the league's top team at 4-1, Jof, in a battle that is sure to be exciting. Then we got Das Cheeks at 3-2, and two, facing off at home against... Mark also at three and two in a battle of two, three and two teams fighting for a chance to move up in the playoffs. Then we've got the uh, the shitty teams, the battle of the shitties or whatever Mike said. Two one and four teams. We've got Mike taking on uh, Stein. Winner gets out of paintball contention. That's how that works. And then our game of the week: two three and two teams, one sitting on top of his division, the other fighting for a chance to be there. Two of the best teams in the league. I ranked at one and two in the power rankings. We've got Jake taking on Zach Marron. So those are your matchups for this week. Uh, Zach was our MVP. 
Thus, he gets to decide the song. And I really like this one. I think it's going to remind you of like playing Tony Hawk in your basement and shit. So uh, make sure you tune into that Eagles game. Go Birds. We'll see you next week for the special Mike episode. Get excited. <laughs>